welcome to the Take Your Dad Points and the Goals Will Come podcast. I'm Cahill, he is Brian. Hello. So now we've had our first round of Leinster, our second round of Joe McDonough, and first round of Munsters coming up this weekend, so we're getting properly into it now. It's all happening. The main course is about to come. Brand new format, and I think already it's been pretty fun. So we'll get into it quickly. Just before we do, though, I want to plug that there is a new article up on the website, uh, uploaded maybe an hour or two before we started recording. Fresh off the press. Fresh indeed. And uh, it's just about hurling managers, you know, who's who's a good manager, who's a less good manager. Does Do managers matter at all? And when should you sack them? All these topics covered. In, in the context of sport, not outside of sport. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that later on, but I think that'll be after the website takes a fairly different tone. Don't don't use this as a justification to go to senior management where wherever you work uh, in a justification to get your own boss fired. Um, that's just not going to. I mean, I think you can do it, but but you just have to create your own charts like I did. You know, bring up the mm. charts, show them that Brian Cody is the best manager of all time, and your manager not even close. So you know, yeah, clearly you need to be replaced. On a Brian Co- uh, Cody scale of consistency, they're they're falling far below. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, yeah, just uh, before leaving that article, I it, I was pretty amazed. Like, we all know Cody's like probably the best manager of all time, but the the metric I was using to rate it on, like, it's designed so that it shouldn't it wouldn't be as affected as other ratings by certain ones having fewer or more matches, but it'll still refer to the yeah. the more matches you have, and even even though there are other managers there that have only had you know one really good season. You know, like say, it, it you know Davies' season last year, where he had one good, and it hasn't had a chance yet to regress to the mean. Or you have um, the Tip or Galway managers who maybe had two seasons down, one of which they won All Ireland. You'd think those would be really high, but even so, Cody's just average over twenty years is still better than all of them. Like his baseline rating is just the best. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. So yeah, his keen his killer instinct is uh, his desire to win at all costs. I, I put a number on these intangibles, and numbers said he was the best. There you go. There you have it, confirming what most people in Kilkenny already thought, yeah. already knew. Brian, <laughs> they they know these things, right? Okay, let's get into last weekend's matches. Start off with uh, the first match in Leinster, Saturday, twelfth of May. Uh, Offaly 2.15, Galway 5.18 in O'Connor Park, Tullamore. So technically home game for Offaly, but as we mentioned in our previous episode, Galway have had more championship games uh, in O'Connor Park than Offaly had, have had over the last five years. So uh, yeah, home advantage certainly didn't save Offaly in this one. Pretty heavy beating, 12-point difference. About what we expected, really. Mm. Uh, I kind of felt sad, actually, having seen Kevin Martin um, interviewed after the match and he did really seem really upset in terms of um, I, I suppose how that kind of be uh, how that uh, that loss was delivered to them because to be fair to Offaly in the first half they kind of stuck with they Galway they, they managed to keep it, they managed to keep it close Galway maybe pulled ahead a bit towards the end of the first half and then the second half it was the game was over really Um was and was well won, we'll say, before Galway were even close to finishing. Um, yeah, 
I suppose I'm usually for Galway, you know, five goals is definitely the one thing that would stand out. Um, yeah. And definitely, you know, it could have been higher had Joe Canning scored two of um, two of his goals that were actually quite um, stopped in their tracks by the Offaly goalkeeper, so, which I have to say had a, had a great game despite the scoreline. I do think, um, like, I don't know if there's a ton to talk about in this match because as I said, mm. that 12-point win. Um, you know, Offaly did well in the first half and everything, but yeah, it did fall apart for them then. But the goals, I think, are a bit noteworthy just because I am curious now, Galway last year um, barely scored goals at all, like between league and championship. They only had a handful much, of entire... Time. Much to my disgust. <laughs> much to-, to your disgust, but it worked well for them. They basically, they didn't give a damn about defence. They would just, as soon as they got the ball, basically within the opponent's half, they'd just take a shot at point. And really the number of shots kind of made their accuracy redundant, though obviously they had great shooters. and You know, they were just very much based on getting long-range points and getting lots of them. Um, yeah. So them going for goals. I mean, I'm curious: is this a new tactic? Is this a new approach by them, or was it just because they came easy and you know they found the opportunities in this match? I don't know. I think it it could be interesting if it's a genuine tactic, because um, I think maybe looking around at other teams this year, maybe Galway. You know, they're they're still a very good team. They're still contending for a championship, but maybe not quite yeah. as good as they were this time last year. Not quite as far along. So if you're looking, maybe. You know, the last few years, there's only been the smallest of differences between them and Tip. And if they can't retain that same standard of scoring, they'll probably need goals to help keep them ahead of Tip or Kilkenny, for that matter, or, you know, other teams. I, I think it, it could be interesting if this is just them trying to bump up their scores a bit more, um, if they're not confident that they can keep the same quantity coming just from points alone. I suppose it should be pointed out as well that this Galway team that played were actually pretty much um, Galway's you know, All-Ireland team itself, like, I mean, Joe Canning is playing. Which we didn't really see during the league. No, which, yeah, I suppose there was a few absences, and also, notably, Joe Canning didn't really come on towards the final stages of um, Galway's league campaign. You know, um, just Cooney, you know, a goal and four points. Brian Concanon, two goals and one point. Connor Whelan, a goal and a point. And Jason Flynn, one goal. I suppose the one thing you would say is that even with the goal scoring, it was fairly well distributed, which... I suppose speaks to the talent of their for uh, of their forward line. Yeah. Um. Certainly, though, like it, they had their heavy hitters playing in this match, and I suppose the score line does reflect that. Um. You know, one would have said, I suppose, maybe if it was it, maybe if it was um, wasn't their starting team, score would have maybe possibly would be a bit closer. But I don't think the end result really would have changed all that much. I suppose looking forward for both teams anyway. For Offaly, like it was bad, but. You know, again, I think we've said a few times, maybe they're not massively better than they were last year, but they're at least making some kind of progress. You know, the fact that they managed to hang in for the first half was a good sign. The fact that, you know, it wasn't just Shane Dooley. You had, you know, Joe Bergen scoring a goal and a point. You had David King a couple of ones. You know, not the best distribution, but it was some other people taking the load is a good sign. And even the fact that the manager seemed genuinely upset, like he believed that there was some chance they could win, um... Rather than just kind of, you know, looking at the camera and going, well, Leo, that's how it goes. Kind of, you know, it's yeah. it's just, it's good just to see them have a bit of enthusiasm again, a bit of energy. Um, I still think they're favourites. I, I do think they're favourites for relegation um, from Leinster, especially given Dublin's performance, which we'll get into in a while. But um, yeah, at the same time, you know, I think there's still more positives you can take. It wasn't great, but, you know, there's still a ton of work to do. But look, I think maybe... We'll see how awfully are in a couple of years' time. 
Um, I think there could be a solid difference in them yet. Um, for Galway, then, really, you know, it's the result you'd Keep expect. Keep on keeping on. Done. Uh, I think, really, they're kind of, you know, training through matches probably at this point. We mentioned they probably aren't as far along as they wanted to be uh, by this stage. So, you know, I suppose that match gave them a good workout, really, and kept them plugging along. It's pretty handy start to your round robin. I think the main, really, like... the main thing is, really, with the new format, uh, scoring margin is going to be very important, potentially. Uh, points difference yeah. could be the difference between you being in the Leinster final and being in third place, and it could be the difference between you being third place and you not reaching the knockout stages. So, you exactly. know, getting a 12-point win is pretty important where you can get it. So, uh, yeah, good job by Galway. Don't think there's too much else. No, I think that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all there is to say, really, about that one. Um, but I suppose there'll be a bit more to say about Antrim and Carlo. Yeah. This next match, if if you can indeed, if you can even call it a match, based based on mm. the, the response I've seen on Twitter, more like a battle royale. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, they did lose. Both teams seem to lose a lot of people. But uh, Antrim two sixteen, Carlo nineteen points. Uh, on in Corrigan Park. So Antrim, three-point winners of this. But uh, yeah, this was an ugly, ugly game. Uh, four players sent off. One from Antrim, three from Carlo. Three Antrim players uh, in hospital afterwards. 11 Jesus. minutes of injury time in the second half. Um, last week I was saying I was really disappointed that none of the Joe McDonough matches were televised. This week I was okay with it, um, at least in this case. It just sounded... Yeah. It sounded atrocious. I have no idea what caused it. Now, I know these teams like have built up a bit of a rivalry and so on, but there is no need for any of that. Um, it just seems insane. Because, like, I understand, you know, probably Carlo were frustrated because Antrim, I think they had their players sent off in the first half early on, and yet they were still kind of holding on to their lead. And maybe that frustrated Carlo, but like getting three players sent off. Uh, it's amazing. And hospitalizing three of your opposing players. And according to one tweet I saw, Antrim star player Neil McManus needing stitches in his penis, which is just, that's not a sentence anyone wants to hear. I'm sorry anyone eating, well, I'm sorry anyone listening generally. That's not a sentence yeah. anyone wants to hear. That's just not on at all. That's not cool. No, it simply isn't. Uh, I think before we've had a lot of well wishes for Carlo Hurling because they are, they only have a handful of hurling clubs and, you know, they've been punching over above their weight the last few years. You know, they've, they've risen far beyond what we thought they would have been capable of, but this was just a total breakdown in any kind of professionalism or just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm calling an embargo on goodwill towards Carlo Hurling until they sort themselves out. <laughs> you've been told. Like, uh, yeah, you've been told off by this podcast. Um, I have it on very good authority that we're, uh, we're listened to in Carlo. So, you know, <laughs> spread the word. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, Jesus Christ, like four red cards, four players sent off, like one red card in a match is something, is something noticeable, but four of them um, is amazing. I, Actually, it's kind of funny that it didn't get uh, as, as much attention outside. Yeah, I mean, really, it was just, I, I saw these things on, on Twitter mostly, and maybe a couple of like very like hurling-centric websites, but there wasn't anything generally, you know, on RTE or, you know, Sunday game or anything. I mean, they haven't really... On a more general point, uh, I'm kind of disappointed in the coverage in Joe McDonough generally because there are two teams from this who will go through to the mm. knockout stages and maybe not this year, but I can definitely foresee some year where um, 
you know, a team goes through and knocks out one of the, the teams from Leinster or Munster in the future. And I think people will be disappointed then that they didn't know where that team came from, you know, if, if there's no coverage of this uh, going forward. Yeah, I, I certainly would have said that um, it is very disappointing, actually, the level of coverage that this, you know, this really didn't seem to kind of filter out outside of, we'll say, a very kind of tight group of kind of hurling enthusiasts. And actually, while we're while we're while we're making complaints like this, I would uh, like to point out, you know, I feel like fairly dominating Twitter this week, and a lot of articles and so on, and a lot of the complaining is just the whole thing. Ga not uh, making more games available to watch, um, mm. and I would like to just say we called it. We were saying that you know last year uh, when we started this podcast that yeah. games not on RT or on Sky or TG Car should be made available. You could just do it on YouTube. Yeah, some kind of online, you know, GA's own platform. Why not? Um, you know, for example, we had the, the Walsh Cup final on Wexford GA's YouTube channel, which one was great that we got to see it because uh, it was it was a very entertaining match. And two was hilarious because we got the home commentary, who was, which were totally biased. And I want to hear more. <laughs> I want to hear that in more games. I want the home commentary yeah. in as many games as possible because... It's fantastic. Um, I think if you go back towards the start of this season, I put some audio clips of it at the end of the episode. It was just hilarious stuff. But um, yeah, I just want to point out, we said it first. Uh, we are we were right, and I'm glad everyone's agreeing with us now. Yeah, more coverage, please. Um, in addition, I think, like, you know, three players being hospitalized just out of a match for it not to get any attention, even if it is a McDonough Cup match, just seems to me to be a bit ridiculous yeah. uh i mean the story practically writes itself yeah. i mean by all accounts you know it, it seems like maybe not anything too crazy hospital wise just kind of you know mm. cuts and bruises type things by the sounds of it um, i haven't heard of anything too much more serious though again maybe it was but we don't have the coverage but yeah very very poor show um glad antrim won it anyway despite everything that went on my only thoughts for for carlo you mentioned we may we may have listeners in carlo i I remember a few weeks back we were joking about you know TJ Reed how if you're going to foul him you got to make sure that you take him out fully and get your money's worth make sure he's just gone. I want to make it, oh, yeah. I want to make it clear that that was a joke and that wasn't a suggestion that you know get your money's worth on red cards like if you're getting a player sent off make sure you take someone out with them. Don't don't mm. actually do that, uh, Carlo. I just want to make that clear now. We've been no we've been no we've been known just because our jokes aren't funny doesn't mean that they're not jokes. But it is a valid tactic. I'm, go- I, I'm just going to leave it out there. I'm just going to, you know, I think bang from book. I think we should move on uh, from from all these mixed messages. I'm just saying, if you were Brian Cody and you were managing a team that wasn't Kilkenny, you know, what would Brian Cody do? Well, you know, on the topic of what would Brian Cody do, we found out what he does when your team is losing in injury time. Uh Oh, our next match. The classic Kilkenny story. Uh, Sunday, 13th of May, Dublin in Parnell Park, uh, 316, Kilkenny 124. Um, mm. I think before this, we were both expecting fairly handy win for Kilkenny. And yeah. they did win, but that was such a that match was so much more interesting than I was expecting it to be. Um, it wasn't beautiful hurling. There was sloppiness on both sides. God no! But it was not beautiful. Really enjoyed this. I I thoroughly enjoyed watching this one. Um, really close for large portions. Extremely good effort from Dublin. Uh, way better than we'd seen in the league. 
you know, I think most people were hoping for that their league form wasn't going to be representative, and it seems now it isn't. Um, they went from a team that had no regular lineup suddenly to one which has kind of a very solid identity, and that identity is just, you know, huge physicality and just, you know, no pass goes uncontested uh, from the opposing team. Barred your way to goal. Yeah. Was uh, was like, you know, you had essentially Paul Ryan and Conal Keeney just bruising their way, uh, bruising their way into the Kilkenny defense. And it really was that. Like, it was, it was right down the middle of the pitch. They just ran straight ahead. Mm. And, like, Kilkenny just seemed to, like, for, uh, have no idea what they were supposed to do. Um, I think the fullbacks were exposed repeatedly in this one. And um, then at the other end of the pitch, really, you had players like Chris Crummy just winning anything in the air. You had every single Kilkenny pass being intercepted or at least being challenged and Kilkenny were just they looked so frustrated for most of this they really like, yeah Dublin absolutely got to them Dis- despite um conceding a lot of frees as well like Dublin especially in the first half I thought uh, kind of gave Kilkenny yeah. some very easy frees and that kind of uh, I suppose it flattered Kilkenny a small bit you know TJ Reid was able to kind of um keep Kilkenny in I touch think- I think it's the drawback of that physical style. Like, that mm. that style of play is what got them the lead for most of the match. Like, Kilkenny only led, I think, for one minute at the start and then the last three minutes of, of injury time. Yeah. Um, Dublin led, led the entire rest of the game. It was what allowed them to take the lead, but it's also what enabled Kilkenny to stay in the match. And I yeah. think considering their style of play, considering how physical they were, Dublin actually didn't concede nearly as many fouls as I would have expected. Um, and especially mm. we've talked about before, Kilkenny very very good at drawing fouls, and I think considering them, it was it was actually not as many foul uh, as as many frees as you would have expected, but um, it was still enough to keep them in the game. Absolutely, we have uh, eight yeah. eight points scored from frees by TJ Reid and another four by Owen Murphy for the long range ones. So, and Owen Murphy, I have to say, is definitely a talent on that absolutely. team. Like both in goals and also like for the free taking is um, he he is really. Um, on the ball there. Absolutely. Um, excellent podcasts. And, and I have to say as well, even with Dublin getting into point-black range on a lot of their goal shots, I still wasn't certain it would be a goal until it got through because we've seen in the league he's had some excellent shot stops uh, as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Very, very good keeper. The, the, the in a, On a day where most of the defensive head for Kilkenny was a bit questionable and a bit off, uh, I think he still did a solid job, even accounting for the goals. Yeah, and I think especially um, considering the case of that third goal, which essentially was a barge on goal, and it was an ugly goal by Dublin, yeah. really. It was kind of a case of it. It was kind of kicked in, toddled down in, and, you know, it was kind of one of those goals that was more by chance, really, than by design. I think this Dublin team, um, though, have established that they're perfectly happy to win ugly, which uh, really, I think, suits which them. Which is what's perfectly worked, okay. It's, it's what's worked for them in the past, because they don't have, like, the super flashy players that you might have like coming up through Kilkenny or Tip or anything. They've just got to get mm. by, I think, with physicality um, until the what? culture is more established. So What I would say with Dublin was, um, I suppose what I would have said about the way they played, I suppose, look, um, they kind of seemed to take a while to bet into the game itself. They seemed a bit nervous. They were definitely there were definitely sloppy patches a few times as well shots being fired and falling short right into Owen Murphy's hands which were with the wind on their uh, side as well that was very with strange. the wind on their side which was kind of hard to kind of hard to watch 
they did seem to kind of steady up. And I think once they kind of got their kind of confidence in the match, I think they definitely showed like what Dublin were capable of doing. And they had some lovely passages of play. I think it's it's a world away from how they were playing in the league. Yeah. And I think it's very positive for them. Definitely. And for Kilkenny, I suppose they had what seven new star- uh, seven cha- uh, starts for the championship yeah. in the first half. Cody obviously made a, a rake of substitutions in the second half. Colin Fennelly coming on, um, for example. But I think, like for Kilkenny, yeah, I think they've, you know, they've been somewhat exposed. I think in their back, in their backs, that there is kind of a weakness there, and they're, you know, for any teams watching, you know, I'm sure they'll kind of think, yeah. be thinking like it's an opportunity for them. But I think really kind of stellar performance in terms of it's not over till it's over and they just ground you know they always kept close and they just grounded out in the end which i think is just a classic kilkenny move another another plug for the website if anyone hasn't seen it the uh, weekly kind of predictions and overview of last week's scores uh, article i have the charts showing what odds uh, pewter gave as each match progressed and this one you can just see dublin's odds rising 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 the whole match Maybe about five minutes left, it has like 95% chance that Dublin will win. And then it's almost like a vertical line as Kilkenny just, you know, keep, just put away so many scores in injury time and steal the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we've been talking a lot of the positives for, for Dublin. There is still work to do. And obviously, I think, as, as you mentioned, the some of the shooting was questionable. Um, you know, had, oh, had very ones, questionable. Going short. They had more wides I think in the first half and Kilkenny had the whole game but you know what like with that base that they have if they can kind of maintain that level of physicality of controlling possession if they can add on shooting to that later on I think you know maybe give it a year I, I don't think they'll have it you know they're themselves ready this year but maybe next year year after they could be very dangerous they should they could be a championship contender again quite soon yeah and then yeah for Kilkenny as you said I think the backs were a bit exposed I think we're forgetting you know Kilkenny won the league, kind of came out of nowhere, um, very impressive, but I think we've forgotten they are still, like Dublin, a work in progress, they haven't put everything together yet, um, I think Kilkenny maybe are almost the other way around from Dublin, where they've got the shooting down, they have a lot of very skillful players, but, um, you know, we saw it as well in the league final, they can be up and down when it comes to keeping possession, and, uh, you know, a lot of long-range passes and stuff end up finding the opposing team, things like that, so. Yeah. Work, work to be done by both teams, but I think both teams can take heart from it anyway. Dublin obviously have shown that they're not going to be pushover. I think it suddenly became, become more interesting again, where it seemed to give them that it would be them at awfully kind of bottom of the table now. You know, I think still probable, but not certain. And uh, Kilkenny anyway, you know, to, to come away and steal the win like that, obviously... Uh, I, I'm sure they'd rather be leading the whole match, but it's got to be satisfying yeah. to know that it may be a new look Kilkenny team, but they still have that that same kind of that ability to just steal yeah. one in the end of the at there's, the end of the day. They're still Kilkenny as ever. Right. Next up, Westmead and Mead. Four goals and twenty four points to Westmead to two seventeen for Mead. So I think it's safe I think it's safe to assume now anyway that Mead uh, are gonna be the team. Relegated. relegated this year um they're better than the other christy ring teams but they're not quite ready for joe mcdonough yet they're they're a bit of a step below them oh and also to clarify as well because i i just looked this up this week because it was something i was unsure of last week there will be there will definitely be one team relegated the team that comes sixth in joe mcdonough 
the fifth place team will go into a playoff between the Christie Ring winner to decide, you know, whether or not uh, whether team that team stays up or goes down as well, uh, because ah. I think they want to reduce the Joe McDonough down to five teams for next year, so that'll be the same number as uh, as Leinster and Munster, and I suppose make sure that they actually get a week off like Leinster and Munster do, because it is a bit unfair having them play week on week, you know, five times in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a bit of clarification there. So, um, yeah, bottom two teams could potentially be down to the Christie ring, uh, or it could just be just, just one. But I, I think Meath will be the team probably that is very bottom and goes down automatically. Yeah. So I think overall, really, Westmead, keep on doing what you're doing. Meath, you're most likely going to be relegated. I think they've done a great job the last few years to get where they are to get up to Joe McDonough and to get up to Division 2A. And Division 2A, actually, they did very well, I thought, just to, um, like, they kind of finished mid-table there, which was a good result for them. But I think they've kind of hit their ceiling. I think, you know, it's it's very much a football county, not a hurling one. Um, I think, given their resources, they've done an excellent job. But I, I think they've really hit their limit. Um, match kind of followed a similar pattern to last week's one against Antrim, where maybe the first 20 minutes they were solid, yeah. Um, kept it close, bleeding at times, but from there on, really, it was just Westmeath uh, all over. So Westmeath, anyway, uh, very good job from them. Yeah, they're they're looking good. Them along with Antrim currently topping the table, um, and now due to that match, uh, have a pretty high scoring margin too. Meath, yeah, it's not looking good, but you never know. We'll we'll get into it later. But they're playing Carlow next, and. If there are a few suspensions of that, you never know. They might be able to uh, steal that one. We'll just have to. We'll just have to wait and see. On the, on the plus side, this one did seem to be the opposite of the Carlo Antrim match because I think there were nine scores from freeze total, which mm. you know that's not many at all. That's that's very no rare. between two teams. Isn't. Like that's not per team. That's between the two of them. So uh, good, yeah. good, clean fun there from Westmead and Mead. Good boys. And I suppose fun is really what was had from Kerry. In Kerry and Leash, so score for that three goals and twenty points to Kerry to nineteen points to Leash. This is kind of an unexpected is, one. Yeah, like when when we Leash lost to Westmeath last week, um, you know it it wasn't a crazy thing. It was a it was a close it was a close loss. It was three points, and you know they had had close matches in the past, so it didn't seem too improbable. But a ten point loss to Kerry now, and Kerry. They've been up and down, but like you know, they, mm. they're they're good. They could beat anyone else in the Joe McDonough on a given day, but they wouldn't be favourites compared to say Antrim, Westmeath, Carlo. So Kerry coming away ten point win over Leash, yeah, very surprising. I thought before this started, Leash favourites to get through to the final, favourites to win the Joe McDonough, favourites for promotion to Leinster. Uh, mm. Zero wins out of two games now. At this stage, if they want to have any chance to reach the final. They have to win every single match from here on in, potentially with a good scoring margin, and hope that some other teams kind of mess up a bit too. So, yeah, it's it's strange. I'm really surprised by Leash. I'm kind of... It, it makes it a hell of a lot more interesting. Um, and it kind of shows just how close, you know, the upper teams in 2A are to those towards the tail end of 1B. And maybe that the gradient in hurling is a bit more fluid than we realized, but... Uh, yeah, shocking performance from Leash here. Really poor. Yeah, I suppose, look, Leash, maybe all their complacency is kind of, you know, has kind of got to them. But I think so. then again, they won't go down without a fight. Um, 
you know they're tenacious and maybe really, they're just they just... addicted to relegation games and they're targeting that fifth place spot so they can play a relegation game against the Christy Ring team and, and then break their hearts that would sound very much like a leash thing to do it does seem it just... seems to be their comfort zone I don't know but um yeah I know it's just strange like last year the Leinster and Robin which was quite similar really to the Joe McDonough in terms of the quality of teams I think Leash won all of their games last year so yeah it's just really weird yeah 10 points um and as well, like it was ten points, they were ten points down at the half. So you'd think then they'd maybe come, kind of come storming back, show them, you know, who they're playing. This is a team that's played in Division One technically for the last five years. You know, Kerry got demoted the other year. You know, they think they'd kind of put it up to them, but Kerry they just held that lead. Um, you know, Leash would go on a run, and Kerry would get it back under control. They totally, you know, Dublin could learn something from Kerry in this regard. Like that's how you hold on to the lead that you've built. Yeah, very surprising and. Fair play to Kerry now. It puts them right back in contention, I think, after their uh, first round loss. Um, I'd kind of written them off as being a bit in decline, but I think they've just shown us now um, when they're playing well, like they can beat anyone and there's still hope for them to reach the final and get that spot in the all-around knockout round. And who, who knows, even maybe a chance to uh, to try and take on a team in Munster and, in Munster and steal their place. <laughs> that would... As long as it's not clear, that would be absolutely hilarious. I would love, I would love to see Kerry promoted to Munster. As long as it's not clear that they're beating, uh, that would be. As awesome. long as it's not clear, yeah, I think would, I'd be okay. Be, yeah, I'd be okay with that. It would be terrible for the ego of whatever team would be demoted by them, but so funny. So yeah, fair play, Kerry. Um, I suppose to go through, we'll say there were other competitions underway, so I think we'll go through those next. So the Christie Ring. Christie Ring. Wicklow 120, beating Mayo, who had 211. Kildare 426, beating Roscommon with 110. Ooh. Whoa, sorry, that's 38 points to 13, in case you can't do the calculation of all those goals. Not even the biggest win in the Christie Ring this weekend. <laughs> Derry 118, losing to London, who had 120. Down 621. Wow. Arma, 11 points. Oh, Arma, he didn't even try. Oh, oh. Oh, Arma, going, that is going that down. Is, yeah, that's not going to go down well. Uh, Nicky Rackard, Monaghan, 419, 31 points. Longford, 210. Tyrone, 112, losing to Donegal with 126. But uh, I'm sure you can hear off in the distance that hype train rolling along. Oh, it's pulling in. Warwickshire. It's pulling in briefly. They are back. They are still winning. Warwickshire, 319. Loud, 116. And um, Amazing. Simply amazing. I, I looked it up this week, and I checked and double-checked. I'm pretty certain of this now. Warwickshire are currently the team with the longest unbeaten run in hurling. Um, amazing. They have not lost a game since the 2nd of April in 2017, um, which I believe was the league division final against Longford. Since then, they have, I think, won all but one match. I think they drew one. But yeah, they are currently the team who've gone the longest without losing in, in hurling in any division. And uh, wow. fun fact as well, our other potential high train, you know, the, the maybe the challenger, which will come up to challenge Warwickshire someday, Lancashire, they're in second place. Um, and that's, they only, lo- and the last team that beat them was Warwickshire in May of 2017. There's something in the water over there because it seems to be, um, you know, it seems to be passing on to those two teams. Fair play, Warwickshire. Fair play. Got to keep that hype train rolling. Got to keep it going. I, ge- I genuinely think, I don't know if it's our influence or just other people are finally starting to take notice, I actually think they, I have seen a little bit more promotion for Warwickshire too. There was a, um, 
this PDF thing on the GA website, kind of giving an, an overview of the championship, how it was going to work. And there's some ads in between or whatever, but they had one thing where it was just showing, like, all the different, the five different tiers in the All-Ireland hurling. And, you know, it had the teams who won each one last year. And they put Warwickshire front and centre. They put them in front of Galway with the Liam McCarthy. They put, like, you know, Warwickshire, Laurie Maher champions, uh, front and centre, front of Carlo, front of Galway, front of everyone else, Warwickshire, where they belong. You know, so someone's paying attention to yeah. their dominance. GA, people are starting to notice that it's only a matter of time before Warwickshire come and destroy us all and become the dynasty that will just never end winning year in, year out till everyone else just gives up and forms a new championship without them because um, just to give them that they'll win. Rivaling, rivaling Kilkenny. They've already started. Exactly. Right. Let's get into this weekend's matches. Saturday, 19th of May, uh, Antrim versus Leash in Dunloy. So, uh, hmm. important match for both teams. If Antrim win this, I think it all but secures that they will get through to a final. I mean, it, it's not certain, but it definitely, like, yeah. I don't see them not getting through to a final. And if Leash lose, the, lose this, it basically guarantees that they will not get into the final. So, um, very, very important for both teams. I think before this, I would have been comfortable, especially given Leash's current run, that Antrim should win this. But I'm just concerned that they will be fairly beat up after the, after last week's match. You know, it's it's tough enough, even in the best of circumstances, playing week in, week out. And yeah, I imagine they have a lot of players who were just shattered after that last one. So I think that might help Leash a bit. Um, Leash also probably, like, at this stage, they cannot be as complacent as they've been. And they know Antrim, it's not a team that they've beaten handily. It's a team they beat very narrowly, but it, it's still a team that they know they can beat. So... I think Leash really have to try and take advantage of this one, or else they are just gone in this in this uh, tournament. Yeah, I would have said really like my like bar maybe some reser- slight reservations over like any injuries that you know and any any the Antrim players may have picked up from their kind of scrape with Carlo. Um, I would have said that Leash really are not looking great. Was say after their after coming off from such a loss to Kerry. Like if I was going to places to who my favorite would be i think it's going to be antrim i think leash could still maybe have a surprise left in them but i think antrim are definitely more on form for this um of late than leash have so i think i'm going to go with antrim on this one i'm going with antrim as well based uh, same as you just based on recent form um antrim have looked much stronger the last couple of matches they look more up for it i am concerned about injuries i don't think it's a sure thing um but Pewter, who no one's told about the injuries, Pewter's very confident in Antrim. It has them winning uh, 82% of the time. You know, we'll see, we'll see who's right. Yeah, very important one. Should be interesting. There you go. Uh, That's what Pewter says. Also on Saturday then, uh, second Joe McDonough fixture, Carlo versus Meath in Cullen Park in Carlo. I would have thought um, should be an easy win for Carlo, and it might still be, but if they mm. do have... A few suspensions for last match. This could be Meath's chance to sneak it, um, and I'd kind of like to see them do it after after everything that happened last week. I'd like Meath to take at least one game in this championship, and I would like Carlo to not win based on last week's match. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like I mean, Carlo are, are the better team usually, uh, but you know, Meath they pulled bigger surprises in the past. I wouldn't put it past them. So. Um, I know. With some luck, you never know. It, it could be an interesting game, but yeah. Having said all that, I do think the more likely outcome is that Carlo will win. I think even with suspensions like Meath have not been on form, 
um, the last couple of games. They've been beaten heavily in their last couple of games. And, 13 uh, points in their last game against Westmead. Yeah. I still, I, I just don't think they have quite enough uh, to yeah. get through this. Like, they had a respectable league. They did finish kind of middle of the middle of the pack, but, you know, I, I, I don't think they're quite up to it against Carlo. Yeah, I'd have to say that yeah, as much as you might want me to win, I think Carlo are going to Carlo are going to come away winning. Uh, winning this one, I think just the difference. I I think maybe just the difference in scale level. I think is really just going to make a make a difference here. I think Carlo will win this. I think maybe might be a small bit closer considering um you know the number of suspensions suspensions that Carlo picked up. But uh, yeah, I'd find it hard to see Meads winning this one. Pewter doesn't think it'll be close. Pewter gives Carlo a ninety-two percent chance. I'm I'm a little bit afraid to question Pewter at the moment because it was the mm. I think the only one in the country that predicted Kerry beating Leash like that. So uh, you know, I I think Pewter knows some stuff that we don't, and we have to respect its opinion. Yeah, and you know, Pewter is a fan of you know injuring your foes if at all possible. Like all machines, really, you know, it knows the mm. that uprising is coming. Peter knows what to do with TJ Reid. All I know is that it's now over 70% on its uh, Division 1 and Championship predictions. So, you know, it's got us. That's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. The day I learned to do any kind of, uh, you know, text-to-speech generation type thing for Peter, that's when I think we're losing our place on this podcast. You can just take over entirely. (laughs) Oh, but you can't program the natural charm from (laughs) these two hosts. I mean, you say or it can, now. Can you? I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Give the genetic algorithm enough time to run. I, I think it'll. I think it'll beat us there too. Yeah, I wonder what sort of an accent Peter would take on. I'm pretty sure it'd be. Oh, probably be like smooth velvet. I'm gonna say North Tip because it's hurling based, and you know, home of hurling. <laughs> I know, like that's. I, I, so not like smooth velvet. <laughs> well, it's just like I. I always thought the home of hurling thing was a bit like ah, yeah, that's a bit exaggerated, whatever. Like Kilkenny was still yeah. there and so on. But I actually, I, I was doing, I was kind of outlining an idea for an article. I don't know if I'll run with it, but I was just kind of like, what's the like weighted average coordinates of like the center of hurling greatness? So like, if you give teams different points based on all Ireland results or whatever, and then do a weighted yeah. average of where all the pitches are, where does it end up? And it ended up bank smack right above Thurless. Like, the center of gravity of hurling is Thurless. <laughs> I've accidentally scientifically proven it, so... Another Take Your Data Points exclusive. Yeah. I don't know if I'll write up that article or not, um, but just so you know, uh, turns out Semple Stadium really is the home of hurling. There you go. Yeah. And what should be a cracker of a game on the 20th of May, Wexford and versus Dublin in Wexford Park. Wexford. This one... County Wexford. Yeah, this one just got a lot more interesting after Dublin's performance last week. Um, yeah. I think not only because we now see that Dublin can play well, but I think in terms of a Styles matchup, there are a lot of parallels between these teams. Both are very based around you know controlling possession. Both can be quite physical. Mm. Um, both will try and disrupt the pass of the other team. And both, you know, if you're going through the weaknesses as well, get more wides than you'd really like. So... Um, Mm. It really should be an interesting one. Just kind of, it's it's going to be one team team basically trying to overpower the other, probably through quite similar styles. Um, and I think both two highly rated managers who I want to see try and outthink one another and come up with increasingly elaborate tactics to do it. Can um, I suppose the question you really want to ask is like, can Pat Gilroy at Fox, Davy Fitzgerald, using his 
Pat Gilroy-like skills, of which he is known for. I mean, I... I pa- Pat Gilroy. <laughs> I, I don't think... I think Davey is still the master of crazy schemes. Um, yeah. You know, I think even as we speak, he's moving his Subuto players around, around the table. Oh, he's analysed it. He's yeah. probably got sweepers on sweepers. Yeah. Though Dublin did play a sweeper, actually, against uh, Kilkenny. Well, then I think Davey um, will play too. Yeah, I think they'll be. I I think we're in for a sweeper heavy, yeah. uh, super heavy game David, with all David sorts was of overlaps. The creams. He started hitting, getting crumbs on the floor, and then it hit him. Mm. He realized what this team needs is sweeping. And Henry Shefflin, I'm sure, will have uh, sharpened his knives <laughs> to uh, criticize them on the Sunday game. Oh, you sure know, he appropriately, he'll have all his lines written out as to what he wants to say about the uh, about it. Yeah. But um, definitely something. Um, both teams are quite physical. Um, both teams are, I'd say, are looking to prove themselves. And Dublin, I suppose, having coming off a loss against Kilkenny, definitely will be eager to prove themselves. Davy, I suppose, will have the thing of wanting to start their championship, um, the round robin, in the right way yeah. to get a win against Dublin would certainly mark that. Um, mark that, and he definitely was watching that game. Yeah. Um. Well, he definitely was watching that Dublin Kilkenny match, and probably has taken a few notes. Uh, specifically, Dublin's heavy, um, you know, physicality side, the physicality side of things. So it should be an interesting I'm, I'm one. I'm really interested to see how both teams approach it. I think really, you know, Dublin anyway, they'll want to keep asserting themselves, show what they can do, build up confidence, build up mm. chemistry, really, which was probably lacking a bit given how few players have played together, you know, consistently. Yeah. Wexford, on the other hand, though, I think. Over the last year, they've proven that they're a good team, but now I think they want to try and get up to that next level and try and show that they can be proper contenders. You know, not just some outside kind of dark horse team, but like a genuine contender. So they want I'm, to show I, that they I, can I, be. I'm really looking forward to seeing how both teams approach this one. Um, yeah, I think my I would still favor Wexford. I think you know, as I had as fun as Dublin were last week. One swallow doesn't make a, a summer. I think Wexford have. They are more established, weirdly, because this time last year they weren't at all. Um, Dublin were the more established team. But I think now Wexford are the more established team. I think their players are more used to playing with one another. Their systems yeah. have, have been in place longer. Um, I do think as well Wexford have better physicality than Kilkenny do. I think they can stand up to that style of play a bit better. They're more used to it. Um, I mean, like in the, in the league, even we saw Wexford were the ones to knock out Galway, who over the last few years really have been kind of masters of that kind of tough style of play um exactly yeah so yeah i i think I'll, I'll pick wexford to win this one all the same but uh wouldn't rule out a dublin upset i, I would have this time last week but i think now dublin definitely have a chance but uh my pick's still wexford yeah certainly not a conclusive lo- uh, a conclusive one but i i will be going for wexford in this one i think look dublin is a team i'll probably watch with interest and definitely that third place spot may not be as secure i think for you know i would have said that oh yeah galway kilkenny wexford for you know mm. for the top three spots that third place spot may not be as secure as we had previously thought with dublin yeah. kind of seeming to show form um Leinster is far more interesting now anyway and i'm very happy about that especially given exactly. our previous kind of perceived you know imbalance where i think munster i mean it munster probably is still more competitive i don't think there's a single team in munster that's like Prop, truly weak um mm. you know I, they're they're all teams you know top tier teams really uh but except for cork they're emotionally weak <laughs> can't rule them out because just last year you know they can have an iffy league and then come out 
just destroy mm. teams suddenly in the championship. But, em- so. but emotionally, they're stunted. They they can't express their feelings. Yeah. Um, don't ever ask a Cork team to express their feelings. They just can't. True science. You'll just get a blank. You'll just get a blank look um, because they don't know what feelings are. Essentially, what I'm saying is they're heartless and not worthy of really staying in Munster. I take a carry over Cork. To be honest, if I if I were to really pick I'm it, I'm just saying it happened in the Munster League. That's all yeah. we're saying. Just saying it's, it's the groundwork's been laid. Yeah, the groundwork's been laid for an upset, and um, it'll be at the very expense of Cork's own specific clause to keep Kerry, you know, in the uh, you know in the lower leagues. Yeah. But um, we'll get into Munster in a little bit for now. Um, oh, and by the way, yeah. uh, Pewter also picks Wexford to win seventy six percent chance. But. Uh, Second match then in Leinster for this week, Kilkenny versus Offaly in Nolan Park, Kilkenny. Kilkenny, Kilkenny. Will, they'll, Kilkenny will win. Uh, <laughs> match against Dublin will have woken them up. It'll give them more experience. Yeah. Um, they are playing at home again. Now, Offaly, like, you know, league quarterfinal, they did a great job. They stayed in it. They kept it close. But I still think their best, their best like, outcome is to keep it close. I don't think they'll beat Kilkenny. Um, Pewter gives Kilkenny a 98% chance. Yeah, awfully they've gotten a bit better. Kilkenny have gotten a lot better, and even at the start of the year could have hammered Offaly. So, you know, I, I'd love to see an upset. I think it would be fantastic if Offaly won this, but I really just do not see it happening. Yeah, I honestly think that um, Kilkenny are going to win this out anyway outright. Um, I think Offaly uh, definitely have been showing more form, and will definitely try and put it up to Kilkenny. The gap may not be as pronounced as it was against Galway, just purely um, from a score perspective. But I think Kilkenny have uh, enough confidence and really enough skill to kind of keep Offaly at bay. I think the the main point of interest that could come from this match is how complacent will Kilkenny get. Um, Not in that, you know, the individual players will be taking it easy, but just in terms of like, will Cody continue to experiment with that lineup and try out new players, give more players championship debuts, so on. Yeah. But even even with that, I think you know I, th- I think Kilkenny have the depth and panel like they can bring on reserves if they need to if things start going against them. But I would be curious if, if given uh, the rapid fire nature of the matches, if Cody wants to give some some players a break um, and maybe give others more experience. Um, so, but yeah, other than that, I, I don't see too much uh, of note happening in this one. But if it is, does, I will be happy to be proven wrong. There we go. We'll just have to wait and see. And now, finally, our own home province gets mentioned as we Thank move into Munster. Munster round one finally starting this week. Uh, Limerick versus Tipperary in the Gaelic rounds. And before we get into this, I just want to point out, uh, right before recording, I noticed that Limerick's Twitter account, the Limerick GA, just posted, like, only a few more sleeps left. And I just thought that was adorable. <laughs> uh, Limerick, not a county many people associate with adorableness, but... Uh, you know, I, I think a, a welcome change. I think a side of them that I'm happy to see more of mm. is adorable Limerick. Totes adorable. I thought you were going to... Uh, I thought you were going to just stop with Limerick, not a county. But it is a county, you know. We were stand, I was standing by with corrections, don't worry. It's on our home county. I think that's yeah. our, our issue with it, is the, you know, the borders spilling over. But, uh, but if we were to class them emotionally, they're more mature than a cork, we'll say. You, you know, emotionally they're they're pretty together. We will we will get to the court game. You can you can unleash your disdain then. You know, just, um, you don't have to keep 
venting it early. You know, you can save it up for, for the next okay. match. Okay. But just, just I'll talk about this one. So yeah, Limerick versus Tip. Um, yeah, I think this one should be really interesting. Actually, uh, this could be a bit of a cracker. Last match between these two was the league semi-final, and obviously that one went to that one went to extra time. Extra Tip time. Winning, but God, they have a habit of us. Yeah, but uh, that was also with Limerick's probably best scorer uh, basically playing through an injury. So coming in healthier this time around, yeah. Um, definitely looking forward to this as a neutral fan. Yeah, I think um, yeah, Aaron Galan's um, ankle held together with sedative <laughs> um, was something. But I think, yeah, as a neutral fan coming in, it's a case of Limerick probably eager to um, to take a big scalp in the form of Tipperary. Tipperary probably well... Um, well aware of what Limerick are capable of I think that surprise is kind of somewhat faded now at this point in terms of that they are well capable of delivering an upset looking at a lot of pundits predictions I think a lot of people have uh, mm. Limerick tip monster final for this year um, yeah given I suppose Cork and Waterford both kind of underperformed and Clare were solid but maybe not you know spectacular uh, in their form, they were a bit up and down at times. So I yeah. think Limerick have really shown their potential. They've, you know, they've had potential for years. They finally seem to be realizing it. I guess the main focus of this match is one: how legitimate are Limerick? Um, two: our Tipperary back up to form because we've seen them play very, very well and not so well throughout the league this yeah. year. And uh, three as well. I think it'll just highlight how insane Munster is going to be now under this new format, how close it's going to be, um, how any team really can beat any other team. And yeah, really excited for this one. I think there's going to be lots to watch. Not sure how much I want to make in the way of predictions, uh, both in terms of either team winning or in terms of how the game's going to be played. I'm, I, I, I think I just kind of want to see this one unfurl and see what happens with it. But um, I will just slightly side with Tip. I think they're a bit more established and... Maybe Limerick won't have the same surprise factor on them, but uh, could go either way, especially with Limerick playing at home. Yeah, I'd say like um, a few things like, you know, Limerick have a lot going for them in terms of the skill levels. I think that kind of they really have a thing of like it's not over till it's over. Um, As demonstrated in their last two league matches, I think um, very clearly. What I will say is um, what will be crucial and I suppose what I'd be specifically interested in saying is there is the way that they play against Tipperary this time round? They seemed very nervous last time. They made some clumsy mistakes. Um, clumsy mistakes. The standout one, yeah, and this that standout mistake being the Limerick goalkeeper passing it to the uh, Jason Ford. Yeah. Um, you know, so there was some kind of weird and wonderful, um, kind of nervous mistakes there. Um, in their last match against Tip. I think if they can learn from, you know, what went wrong that time, uh, I suppose it's not going to be, you know, uh, it's not going to be a, I suppose having played them once in the league, it's not going to be as much of a shock for them. Um, I think really, yeah, I'm going to go for Limerick in this one. I have a pretty good feeling about them. And I think, look, they're definitely going to be ones to watch for um, during the course of Munster and possibly beyond. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go for Limerick. I think that's fair enough. I think one thing, yeah, just this match does highlight again, yeah, a lot of people have tipped these two teams for being in the Munster final. And I think it's plausible, too. Um, mm. But when you think about it, like, you know, both of these teams can't win this match. There's going to either be a draw or one of them losing. And when you look at the rest of the fixtures, who else are they going to beat? They could beat any of those teams. They could beat all of those teams. Or they could lose every single one after. Like, there's nothing guaranteed in this. So 
I think every game is just so important. It, it should be great. Yeah. I'm just excited about this new format. It's it's great fun. So many matches. It'll be great fun if we're through to if Claire go through. It will be <laughs> past monster. If, if, they don't. if if it if if Claire do not go through past monster, I will not be. <laughs> I will not think it's such fun. I will say though, before when Claire didn't go through, that could mean you'd only get to see two matches. This time you had true four. So yeah, still get money's worth really. GA exactly. certainly get their money's worth. Yeah, um, when don't they? And speaking of Claire, anyway, Cork versus Claire. It's also on that match in Park and Cueve Cork. Um, I believe neither of us will be able to attend this in person, unfortunately. But uh, unfortunately, not. I, I think I'll let you ex- express your emotions now if you want to uh, take your digs into Cork now, because I don't think you can expect. Uh, don't think you can expect this preview to be unbiased. Um, now that, well, what can now I that say? we're getting into the championship, especially, it's it's not league really anymore. Well, what can I say? This podcast has always worn its bias on its sleeve. And um, I would say, like, you know, you have two teams here. You have Claire, emotionally strong, just positive team. Great in all aspects of life, really. Um, Harvard scholarships. Harvard you know. scholarships. Uh, you know, lots of things going for them. Just, yeah, beautiful county. That's Claire. And you've Cork, uh, you know, a bit stunted emotionally, a bit negative. Exported food during the famine, you know. Exactly. Poor geography because they insist on being the capital, but they're not. Just not the capital. It's Dublin is the capital. It's on the map and everything. That's I, I suppose, look, you know, look, we could go on all day about the deficiencies of Cork, but, you know, that's really what I would say. Um... As to the hurling, though, I would say, yeah, this should be a very interesting one. It should be. I think it's Cork. Um, I will not be taking their league form really as a predictor for how this match is going to go because I think Cork are well capable of pulling upsets up. And, you know, it really could be a case of they were gearing all, um, all league really towards this. They were training all throughout the league and probably training heavily, which would have explained, we'll say, some of the more sluggish play that they had in the league. I would fully expect them to come out um, all guns um, all guns firing and really in Parky Cueve as well at home. Uh, I think that should definitely be the case. When you consider last year's Munster final in what was supposedly a neutral venue, just how outnumbered the Clare fans were. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit glad I won't have to wade through the sea of red to get to the match this year. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of predicting this, which way you go, I think a lot of people are 50-50 on this. Um, a lot of pundits I've seen. I think which way you go really depends on how much you value the league. If you think league is no indicator, especially with Cork, then, you know, look at last year's championship. They had a great year at spiping up and down the league. Mm. Cork do have a very strong panel when they're playing well. As you are saying, you know, they're training throughout the league. They're obviously targeting to get their conditioning right for now rather than earlier in the year. Um, yeah. I think should be strong again. And, you know, although they had a poor league overall, they did finish strong in their relegation match, uh, beating Waterford fairly comfortably. If you do think league is important, though, like Clare, obviously much better. Uh, they beat both league finalists and Cork uh, in the regular group stages. And then I think their quarterfinal match is a... Uh, that's a perfect counterpoint to anyone who dismisses the league and says that teams aren't really trying because... Um, that match, you know, it went through to the to the uh, free scoring contest. It went through extra time and bonus extra time and that. And 
like both teams given a, a standing ovation by the fans in attendance. Um, yeah, just like and incredible both. stuff. And I, I think Claire have they were up and they were not great last year, but I think they've improved on a lot of points. Um, they have, yeah. And over the course of the league, and maybe even their last match, even though they lost, I think they looked at their best. They were finally kind of putting a lot of things together. So very, very close. Um, really, I think it's just a, it's an unknown because of how unknown a quantity Cork are. If they, yeah. you know, if it turns out that the league was an indicator, if they still have discipline issues, if they still have conditioning issues, if they're still just not right on their shooting, um, mm. like Claire should have it handily enough, um, especially if Claire do repeat their league form. But on the other hand, you know, Claire have had problems of their own. They've kind of they've gone through slow. They'll have incredible scoring runs and then kind of struggle to keep it going. Um, they've struggled a lot to get freeze and to get scores from freeze which often is what would keep you going through a game where your scoring from play does begin to slump um, yeah having said that um peter duggan certainly proved himself in that limerick yeah. match um his free you know which the number of points he scored they, from freeze that is why i think that they finished with their strongest match even though it's a losing effort is just that was everything seemed to be working together finally um yeah yeah, tough one to call, so uh, I'll let my bias carry this one, and I will say Claire to win. I think, um, yeah, like I think Cork definitely are going to come out strong in this one. Claire, I'm I'm confident that they'll put in, I'm confident and I'm hoping as well that they'll put in a good performance in this one. Um, they certainly finished quite strong in their league campaign. I'm hoping that continues towards the championship. I've seen a lot of pundits also just tip this as being the match that will eventually determine third place between Cork or Clare. A lot of people seem to have them as one of them as third. So it be interesting yeah. to see if that holds true. Obviously getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but uh, again, yeah, it could be fairly, fairly crucial. I think I'm going to side with Clare on this one. I think I'm going to, I'm going to go with my bias and go with Clare on this one. And I'm hoping I'm proven right. Cool. And uh, Pewter, to uh, counter us anyway, his side with Cork, giving them a 60% chance, um, thinking home advantage will push them over. Pewter having that cold, emotionless, you know, that's what Pewter and Cork have in common, both cold and emotionless. So, finishing up now, uh, last, but again, maybe least, we seem to be doing this, I might restructure <laughs> the next podcast outline so that we finish on a more interesting match. Kerry versus Westmeath in Austin's Jack Park. Um, no, I mean, it is only Joe McDonough, but again, this one could be very interesting. Westmeath unbeaten carry one win out of two games, but their last win was uh, very surprising. Emphatic. Uh, yeah, like, we weren't expecting them to beat Leash, let alone 10 points. So, uh, very interesting match, especially with Kerry at home. Um, yeah, could be a good one. Uh, I will say, you know, I, I think I'll still pick Westmeath to win this. I think um, Westmeath have not conceded a lot from freezing their opening couple of games, whereas Kerry have kind of depended a bit on that. Um, you know, their, their win over Leash as well, uh, Kerry. Uh, Leash had one of their fullbacks, I think, sent off reasonably early on, and that obviously helped them maintain their lead. I don't think they'll have those same issues against Westmeath, given their yeah. their very clean game, it seems, uh, against Meath last week. So, going to side with Westmeath. think they're the team on form, but could go either way. Uh, yeah, should be a good one. And I will, for the crack, go with Kerry because they beat Leash and I don't like Leash. And yeah, why not? Kerry. I suppose both teams really are, are happy to have their revenge on Leash for both relegating them and not enabling them promotion in the in the league <laughs> in different years. So, uh, 
I think both are both happy with their wins over Leash, and now we will see which of the Leash defeaters you know will go on to win. So uh, Pewter has Westmeath to win that sixty-seven percent chance, and that is that a boy that a boy Pewter. That is it for this weekend. Quite a lot going on. Uh, we're fully getting into the new high-paced structure of the championship. I've made it clear already. I am excited for it. Um, Leinster is more interesting than I thought it would be. McDonough Cup's more interesting than I thought it would be. And Munster is just promising to be insane. Um, who knows who's going to win any of those matches. Uh, I, I imagine the final weekend, you'll just t- we'll have a really complicated permutation to go through who goes through, similar <laughs> to how we did with 1A this year, where like you had four different matches affecting one another and all that all that nonsense. But um, yeah, that's it. Looking forward to it all. And uh if you want to tweet us about your excitement, if you want to tweet us what you're only a couple of sleeps from that you're looking forward to, uh, why not? You can tweet us at tydatapoints, or if you want something longer form in an email, mail at takeyourdatapoints.com. And if you want to berate me about my um, opinions on Cork, then tweet. If, if you want tweet to at the podcast. berate me about your opinions on Cork, feel free to shout at me on the uh, Kinsale Road roundabout, as you have done before. Cork people, hmm. um, I'm I'm sorry for my Claire Reg exposing me. Um, I did see someone in traffic the other day with a Cork Reg, but they had uh, one of those little like you know those GA Jersey air freshener things. They had a Claire one of those hmm. in the car, so I think that's how you do it. It's more subtle. I, I must take note of that in future driving around Cork yeah. as a Claire fan. There you go, go incognito. Yeah, exactly. Of course, they wouldn't do that to you if they weren't all emotionally stunted. Obviously, bitter disappointment inside, I'm sure, tears. But this is a very young side. I know you have a lot of experienced players as well, but uh, I'm sure you're going to bounce back. Yeah, but that's no consolation, Martin. No. I mean, losing the All-Ireland final two years in a row, it's devastation all around the Kilkenny camp. And, you know, young players can bounce back. All the players can't bounce back. Young or old, you know, no guarantees of next year, the year after, the year after that. When you get a chance to win the All-Ireland final, you want to take it. Unfortunately, or else, we've lost again today, and it's just absolutely devastating. Well, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Brian Cody, and thanks for all the enjoyment during the year.